I just want to say those words there. I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but the words uh, on that video that, that you're reading there are the words of a famous preacher named A.W. Tozer. And he's talking about this radical love of God for the world. And if you could see Jesus with his arms outstretched at the cross, um, his arms, his hands pierced for you and I, he's giving up his life for the world. And those arms outstretched are, I always like to think them, I, I think of those arms as the, the arms of the, the father in the prodigal son. And I know those are the arms of Jesus uh, stretched out for the world, but it's that welcome of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, welcoming you and I into relationship with him. And for the last four weeks, we've been wanting to talk about uh, the love of God, the light of God revealed in Jesus, good news for the world. And Jesus came announcing really, really good news. And in Mark chapter 1, he, he says this. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It, repent, it simply just means to turn, to, to turn around and to follow Jesus, to follow the, the good news of Jesus. And uh, he came announcing this really good news about a kingdom. And at the heart of that kingdom, he gave up his life for his people. He rose from the dead three days later, and he invites us into this new life. It's beautiful. And so for the last four weeks, we've been asking, how can we be active participants in sharing the love and light of Jesus today? We, we, we've been asking, how can we move away from fear and frustration towards joy and authenticity as we share the good news about Jesus with our friends, our family, our city? And you might be here, and you're on a journey, and you're new to Jesus and as we've mentioned in previous weeks, it might feel funny for you to be here because you're like, how is it that I'm part of a series that's about sharing the good news of Jesus if I'm not sure it's good yet? Um, and, and as I've mentioned in previous weeks, I'm so glad you're here because you're going to hear two stories from two friends of mine here in a, here in a bit, and they're going to share their story of encountering Jesus. And, I, and I'm so glad that you're here to hear those stories. But also, what we're doing as followers of Jesus is that we have found someone we love deeply. And we've been changed by him. And if you love something, don't you want to share it? And we hope that these four weeks that we're just seeing how natural evangelism is. Evangelism. From the Greek word euangelion. It simply means sharing the good news. That just sharing the good news is natural. If you love something, don't you want to just share it? And so I'm glad you're here if you're on that journey with Jesus. And here on week four, we've talked about a lot the last three weeks. But on week four, I want to end in a special way. I want to end the series in a really special way because I want to talk about the love of God for you. One of the most important things we can do when we think of sharing the good news is to be a person who is receiving the good news. Evangelism, as we share the good news, it's, it's, it's not just for my friend who does not know Jesus yet. Evangelism is for me. I need his good news to win my heart every day. And so, Jesus, we are asking that in this moment you would come and move in a beautiful way, that you would draw our hearts to yourself, that we would be people that as we share the hope we have, as we share the good news with our loved ones, our friends, our family members, that we would be a people who have also received it, who've been changed by it, who've been transformed by you, and God, we, we're, we're not here to offer something that we haven't tasted. 
And so right now, for all my friends in the room who feel distant from you, who feel like they have calloused hearts, who feel cold, removed, pour out your love upon them. And in the coming number of minutes, would you do a work of joy, of hope, of freedom as they see you? We thank you, God. We give this time to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, friends. Now, the word love in English is a terrible word. It's a terrible word. The Greeks understood that you can't have one word uh, for love. You need four. Right? So they had four words for different kinds of love. Phileo, the love between friends. Agape, the love of God, right? And so they had words for love. Now, I love multiple things. And um, let me share, you my, share with you my loves in no particular order. Mexican food. Jesus. A good nap. See, the thing is, my mother says, a good nap is delicious. She says, oh, I just had a delicious nap. I'm like, ah, oh, I love that. My family, I love my family. And the band The Killers, I love The Killers. Now, I love all these things, and that's fine, that's fine. But if, my, if, you, if you were my friend and you came up to me and you go, listen, I feel like your love of Mexican food is taking priority over the love of your children, you might argue that I have a disordered set of loves, right? Right? And you'd, you'd probably need to talk to me and sit me down and have a conversation. If my love for the killers uh, uh, took priority over my love for my wife, let's say, uh, you would be like, you have a disordered set of loves. Right? And so, but if my loves are ordered correctly, if my loves are ordered correctly, then there's freedom. There's freedom. And so let me try to order them correctly. So number one would be Jesus, right? Absolutely. Top of the list. Number two would be family, and this is where it gets tricky, so you're going to have to help me out. Number three would be Mexican food, followed number four by a nap, right? So you need a nap after a good Mexican food meal. And then probably the killers, because you'd enjoy the music a lot. Although I would say you could switch three and four. It feels like nap might win out in my loves over Mexican food. I don't know. You think about it. But you and I carry, on a more serious note, a disordered set of loves in our heart, right? Certain affections we have for things, if we're honest, are out of place. Money, food, drink, sex, people we're attracted to, careers, homes, vacations, various forms of pleasure. God has made a good world with a lot of good things in it, but we know sometimes we're drawn to things that are not good or drawn to good things that are not ours, right? And so I carry in my heart a disordered, woo, <laughs> Paul on the road to Damascus, right? It's amazing. Uh, he's here. He's here. God's here. It's good. Um, and, I, you know, and so I carry in my heart a disordered set of loves. And what, what needs to happen is I, I need to be evangelized. I, I need... I need a reordering of loves. And so what evangelism is, evangelism is a reordering of loves. That's what it is. On this final week of our series, I'd like to argue that evangelism is for each of us in every moment of every day. Evangelism is not just for my friend who's new to Jesus. Evangelism is for me. 
you're going to have a hard time reading the New Testament and seeing a dichotomy between evangelism and discipleship. It's not there. So we've created these two concepts, evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism Evangelism is for those who don't know Jesus. Discipleship is the growth of those who know Jesus. And you're not going to find that in the New Testament. Those are two categories that don't exist. Every human being is invited to follow Jesus and be transformed by Jesus. All of it is the good news. Discipleship, what is discipleship? Apprenticeship to Jesus. It is being hit by the good news of Jesus every day. Every morning before I put my feet on the floor and get out of bed, I need the good news of Jesus to hit my life and change me. And so for, it's for every moment of every day. I want to say it this way. Our friends who are new to Jesus need to see the good news of Jesus changing me, changing you. They need to see the good news shaping us and forming us and reordering our loves. Let me say it this way. Don't trust the chef who refuses to eat the food he's cooking in his restaurant and then heads out to have lunch somewhere else. Don't trust that chef. Don't eat that food. Don't trust the car salesman at the Dodge dealership who privately drives a Toyota. (laughs) You're not going to want to do that. What you want from a car salesman is to say, I drive this car, and this is the kind of car I'm selling, and I can guarantee you it has served me well for the last 20 to 30 years. You know? That's the kind of of car salesman you want to run into, right? They've lived it. They know it. They know what they're talking about. Is the good news of Jesus good to you? Is the good news of Jesus changing me? See, I need his good news to win my heart every day so that my highest love, my highest delight is in Jesus. And all of this means is that when I'm sharing the good news of Jesus with my friend, I'm sharing something that I know is real because I've tasted it. Because it's not just a theory to me. It's not this truth theory that I'm just giving you. But it never changes me. So I ask, have you been changed, transformed, reordered by the love of God? And would those in your life see that in you? That they go, yeah, I want to talk to him because I, I watch him, her, grow in more patience, with more gentleness. They're different. They're living it. 200 years ago, Thomas Chalmers, the Scottish pastor and theologian, preached a famous sermon with the title, quote, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. You can find this online. You can read the sermon. But Chalmers was making the argument that the best way to live a life of freedom from all sin and temptation, problems in the world, is not to like turn and fight the sin and the temptation and the problem in the world head on. And some of us who've walked through various forms of addiction, we know that, right? It's a a bit of a futile exercise. It doesn't work. Chalmers argued that the best way to find freedom is actually to fall in love with something higher and better and purer. It's God. He argued that we need a new affection. 
And when we have a new affection, our back is turned naturally to the things of the world. So he wrote the following, quote, The love of the world cannot be expunged by a mere demonstration of the world's worthlessness. Right? And just going to pause there. Sometimes you might hear teachers just talk about how bad the world is. It's terrible. Have you seen the world? Right? It's like, that's not helping anybody. <laughs> we know the world. We live in the world. We're tempted by the world. We, we don't need to hear on and on and on about the worthlessness of the world. Right? There's pain out there. There's dysfunction. There's temptation. Like we, we know it. We don't need to hear more of that. But he says this. But may it not be supplanted by the love of that which is more worthy than itself. It's a vision of Jesus. It's to say he's better. He's more lovely. Have you seen the cross? Have you seen the self-giving love of God? Like if you turn your body towards that, you turn your life towards Jesus, you're naturally turning away from all of those dark things. And so it, it, it makes no sense to go on and on about the worthlessness of the world. It's to turn to the worth of Christ and to love him and to receive his love, a love that is higher and more lovely than any other love. And what, we, what do we call this? We call this the new affection, a new affection for Jesus, a new love for Jesus. It hits my life with this expulsive power, expulsive power. We don't use that phrase. What does that mean? It means that there is a expelling, an eliminating, a removing of all kinds of loves that shouldn't be there when I turn to Christ. Now, uh, I thought, okay, what is a good illustration for this in common everyday life? And I thought about this. Talk to somebody who has purchased a new puppy. Nothing else matters in their life, right? The love, just in your mind, bring to mind person with new puppy. Just try in your head. Think about that person. The love for that, that puppy is eclipsing almost everything else in their life. And these people are willing to move mountains to accommodate said puppy. New routines to walk and train the puppy. Some of you guys are like, oh, totally. And other of you guys are like, yay, I want a new puppy. Get new routines, right? New routines to train the puppy, a new budget line for expenses for puppy, new trips to the vet, finding good friends who love the puppy, and expelling old friends who do not love your puppy, <laughs> right? Expulsive power of a new affection. And the, the, the puppy is bringing this love into your life, which you've never felt before, right? And other people have to go. Now, back to Jesus, the expulsive power of a new affection, right? Oh, takes hold of my life, right? And it's evangelism. That's, just so you know, that's the good news. The good news of something that enters your life and changes you. And, and, and just let's work with the puppy image for a little bit, a second. You used to not like to walk outside. And you're like, how can I discipline myself to walk? And you tried things. And you bought like memberships at the gym. And it was just like bad. And then you bought an elliptical. And it sat in your basement. And you tried all kinds of things, right? And then one day you bought a puppy. And you weren't even thinking it. But you're walking outside all over the place. And you're walking around. And you're like, I'm a walker now. That's right. 
It just came naturally. It came with the territory. And the beautiful thing is when it comes to following Jesus, all kinds of things start to happen. You go, it's so hard. It was so hard for me to learn to you know, read my Bible or learn, try to learn to pray or try to learn to serve or whatever. And you fell in love with Jesus and this new affection caught hold of your life. And you're like, I can't wait, you know, to use my gifts to serve Jesus. And it just happened naturally. And you say it used to be so hard to try to think about that, but I have just fallen in love with Jesus. The expulsive power of a new affection, it's powerful. And I, and I need it in my life. And this happened to a, a man named Zacchaeus. And about every year, I got to talk about Zacchaeus because it's my favorite story in the Bible. There's so much to see. In, in the Gospel of Luke, we read the story in Luke 19 of Zacchaeus, a wee little man, you know, little guy. And his love for money had eclipsed all other loves. He had been consumed by a greed. Let me, let me tell you the story. So in the city of Jericho, um, 2,000 years ago, uh, the Roman Empire was occupying the uh, Jewish land. And the city of Jericho was under Roman occupation. And Jesus is about to walk through the city of Jericho. But in Jericho, there's a man named Zacchaeus, and he is called a chief tax collector. Now, here's, here's what this is. The chief tax collector um, would have put in a bid to be able to collect taxes in that area. And they would have given that bid to the Roman Empire. So, so Zacchaeus is a Jew who's working for Rome. That's called a traitor. Because what you're going to do is you as a Jew are going to tax your own people. And you're going to give the taxes to Rome, but you're going to keep a lot of it for yourself. Right? So you're going to tax more than Rome wants in order to have stuff for yourself. And there were multiple tiers, probably. And Zacchaeus would have been the kind of guy, he's the chief tax collector, so he's the top of the pyramid, and he's got thugs working for him. Right? He's got guys who have arms three times the size of mine, four times, who show up like this with arms folded, knock on your front door and say, your taxes are due, right? And they would have used intimidation, fear, all kinds of tactics to get you to pay your taxes. Now think about how hated Zacchaeus would have been in his city. You're working for the empire. You're working for Rome. And yet the greed of his life, his love of money, had eclipsed all other loves, even a love for his own people. He's now a traitor for the sake of money. And so very likely he would have been kicked out of the synagogue in Jericho, not allowed to worship with his own Jewish people. He had been canceled by the cancel culture of the day. But he hears that, Jer that Jesus is coming to Jericho. And Jesus is a very famous rabbi. And he's a rabbi who works signs and wonders. And, and guaranteed Zacchaeus has heard news about this man and he's coming to Jericho. Now, as Jesus comes into the city of Jericho, it's packed, and probably doesn't, you know, he's short, so he can't see Jesus, but also, he probably doesn't want to hang out in the crowds of people he's stolen from, so he, gets, he goes up in a tree, and so he's a little guy in a tree looking at Jesus. Now, Jesus walks into Jericho, and I want you to hear what happens. In, in, in Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bible, uh, verses five and six, we read this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So I'm coming to your house. Jesus could have met with anyone. Jesus often loves the poor, the marginalized, the weak, you know, the blind, the leper. 
But he comes into Jericho and he's going to eat with the top 1% of the 1%. He's going to eat with the hypocrite. He's going to eat with the traitor. And imagine crowds of people and he sees Zacchaeus in a tree. He knows he has to eat with him. And you can imagine, he says, I'm coming to your house. Well, what's his house? Well, his house is literally the epicenter of his sin. Zacchaeus probably had slaves working in his house. He probably had artifacts from all over the Mediterranean hanging on the walls of his house. The size of his house would have been much larger than anyone else's. And how did he get that money? Well, he took it from the poor. And so his lavish lifestyle, his house is like the epicenter of his sin. And Jesus is like, right there. That's where I'm going. I want to come to like the center of all your dysfunction. (laughs) And I want to eat with you. Now, here's 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 what you need to know. In Jewish culture, to eat is the sign of acceptance, friendship, acceptance. I accept you. And you can imagine people's horror that this is what Jesus is doing. Listen to, listen to verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Muttering, <laughs> grumbling. He's hanging out with that guy. Of all the people Jesus could have chosen in Jericho, he eats with him. And he shows this acceptance of Zacchaeus, which is, which is really actually painful to see. And you can imagine Zacchaeus, he's thinking, I know, I know it doesn't look good for him to come my way, but I hope he still comes. You know? And what does he do? Does he get his servants, his slaves to make the meal? I mean, what, what, what would that be like? And the crazy thing is we don't know what Jesus said at the meal. We don't know. What did he say? It's not, re- it's not recorded. But something happens at the table, at table fellowship. And in the moment, I wonder if Zacchaeus not only saw Jesus, but he could see his wealth for what it was. And suddenly this beautiful conviction starts to bubble up inside of him. It, it was not condemnation, clearly. It's this conviction. And he's ex- he starts to experience a reordering of his loves. He can feel it within him. He's experiencing the expulsive power of a new affection as he sees Jesus across the table with such love and such grace and such kindness, such welcome. And so he, he does this. He stands up. It says, verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now. So he, he can't handle it. He can't handle the love in the room. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He's, his loves are being reordered, right? It's incredible. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Like Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas morning, you know, Zacchaeus is running through the streets just throwing money out, just like if I've cheated anybody of anything. And you need to know the Torah in Numbers chapter 5 says that if you had cheated someone out of anything, you need to pay back that amount plus 20%, one-fifth, okay? So that's, that's the law. That's what the law says. Is Zacchaeus doing the law? No, he's blowing the law out of the water. It's this generous love. It's one of our values. It's this generosity that just bubbles up from within him. He does way more than he's ever asked to do. This is not about law. This is about a love that has hit his life. And and I'm just going to say this, and I've said this before at North Langley, but just look at the brilliance of Jesus. You could be like, Jesus, if you came into Jericho, 
you should have brought justice to the city. If you came into Jericho, you should have fed the poor of the city, right? Well, he, he does that. Jesus does exactly that. In the brilliance of Jesus, the best way for him to feed the poor, the best way for him to bring justice to Jericho is to have dinner with Zacchaeus. What do you mean? Look at all the poor that got their money back. Look at all the justice that was done in the city that day. Look at all the, fam the parents that can now feed their children in the city of Jericho. Yeah, Jesus can multiply loaves and fishes, absolutely. He could have fed the poor of Jericho, but he thought one of the most brilliant things he could do is be like, how do I feed the poor of Jericho? How do I bring justice to the city of Jericho? Dinner with Zacchaeus. And I'm just going to sit there. <laughs> yeah. And this expulsive power of a new affection takes over Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus has a love that eclipses all other loves. And Zacchaeus was so consumed by money, but, and he needed freedom, but now he's got this deeper love that changes his life. That's the good news. That's the good news I need every day. So good news, North Langley. Jesus wants to come near. And he's willing to come into the muck of it all. And he's willing to meet with you at a table and to look across the table and to show his deep love for you. And he knows the chains and the addictions and the temptations and the heart that is disordered, and he knows all of it, but he wants you to look into his eyes and see his love for you. And if that love can catch your life, each one of us with a, each one of us with a cold heart, a calloused heart can be freed. When the good news hits your life and my life, and I'm talking, some of you who are brand new to Jesus, this can happen with you, but some of you who have been following Jesus for five decades, this can happen with you. You and I need to be good newsed. Right. Personally, I forget the good news of Jesus all the time. And I want to give you an example of how this works in my life. I'm sure you experience this too, but we hear lies coming at us all the time. And one of those lies, one of those messages we hear in our world through all kinds of advertising and um, conversations around us is the idea that, and we wouldn't say it this way, but deep down that I'm a consumer of goods. That's why I'm here in the world, to consume goods. My purpose and my pleasure will come from more consuming. And again, we wouldn't say it this way. That's not it. But if we're honest, if we say, happiness in life is to follow my gut-level desire for things around me. And this will lead me to all kinds of desire and affection for food, drink, sex, forms of ambition, certain ways of career, career advancement, new spouses, new purchases, whatever it might be. And we allow the Spirit of God to look into our life and go, okay, I'm coming into the middle of that. <laughs> and every day, I need a counterformation. Because I'm being formed by all of that, and I need a counterformation. I, I, I am formed by that lie every day through all kinds of messaging. So what I need is this counterformation, this transformation. Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed or counterformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the, that happened in Zacchaeus' life. The best way to be free, the best way for my mind to be renewed, the best way for my life to be counterformed or transformed is to be evangelized, to be good news, to experience the expulsive power of a new affection. I need the love of Jesus to move into my life and to eclipse all other loves. And like Zacchaeus, I need Jesus to come eat at my house, at my table, amidst all of my dysfunction, and for the love of Jesus to ravish my life. And for me to have a vision of the cross of Christ, the moment when my Savior gave up his life for me and shed his own blood for me, that I would be forgiven of sins and washed clean and given a new life. And I need a vision of the resurrection, of new creation bursting into the present world, of the, of the hope that I can actually be different, that I can actually be shaped into the image of Jesus. That's the hope of the New Testament. And I need a vision of that. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. You are not just a consumer of goods. You are made in the image of God. You are an adopted child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Jesus shed his own blood on the cross for you and has given you forgiveness of sins and has filled you with his Holy Spirit and wants and longs to continue to pour the love of God upon you. And I hope that gives you a vision of freedom and forgiveness and real purpose because your real purpose is not to simply be a consumer of goods, but your purpose is to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's so simple. And like Zacchaeus, you can be set free. That's the expulsive power of a new affection. And Tozer says this, quote, God wants the whole person and he will not rest until he gets us in entirety. No part of the man will do. Jesus doesn't want part of Matthew. He doesn't want part of me. He wants everything. And he's just gonna move in and have table fellowship until I can see it and be changed by its love. And so here's why this is important on week four of this series. Because if evangelism is only getting people who aren't Christians to become Christians, then we lose a lot of humility. But if being good news is that, my, is that I come to my friend and I go, Jesus is so good. He's so good. Because, I, because he's changing me all the time. And like I said earlier, that your friend and your loved one or your coworker would go, yeah, I've noticed. You're way more gentle than you used to be. <laughs> that your coworker would say, you're way more patient than you used to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whoa, that'd be a miracle. Right? That maybe as a parent, your kids would say, I see a softer heart in my parent. Yeah, I'm willing to try out Jesus. <laughs> if, if this kind of stuff is what happens, Sure. I'm open, and so I'm just sharing something with the person I love that I'm experiencing myself. There's authenticity there, right? And think about the three friends you've been praying for at 11.02 every day, right? 11.02, Luke 11, verse 2. That's why we pick that time. Your kingdom come, your will would be done. Think of your three friends. Would they be able to see that change happening in you? Would that give them hope? Are you starting to love your friends that you're praying for every day deep, in a deeper way? I hope so. You know, uh, the, way, the 
we want to offer people their kind of first experience of this new affection uh, at Alpha, at the Alpha course. And if you've been part of our series so far, you'll know that we love Alpha here. We think that Alpha, Alpha is a course for those who are new to Jesus, atheists, agnostic, different faith, wherever you're at in life, if you're wanting to know more about God, um, try the Alpha course. It's eight weeks. It starts this Wednesday, this Wednesday, the 27th, right here. We have childcare. We have a free meal. You're welcome to come explore more about Jesus. And uh, just so you know, we have uh, over 80 of us who are going to be gathered in this room at Alpha. Isn't that cool? I want to thank many of you for, for, for having the boldness to invite your friend. And, and, and if you haven't yet uh, been able to invite your friend, uh, you have uh, three days. <laughs> Would you do it? Would you invite your friend to Alpha? It's that person, those one, two, three people that you know would be, you'd love to see them changed by Jesus. It's this Wednesday night, um, and we're asking the question, is there more to life than this? That's the first question we're asking this week. And throughout the next eight weeks, we're going to watch Jesus do something beautiful in, the, in our lives and the lives of our friends. We're going to ask the question, who is Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die? What does it mean to pray? You know, and it's just going to be beautiful. And so I'm excited. I hope many of you can pray. And uh, again, we have three days left. Would you invite your friend to come join us on Alpha? Now, I want to say this. I want to show you a little video, and then a couple of my friends are going to come up. But this video, I'm so excited about. For the very first time, there is a full uh, Alpha course uh, in Mandarin, full Alpha course in Mandarin, filmed in China. And this January, for all my Mandarin speakers in the room, any Mandarin speakers in the room? Can I get a whoop, whoop? One, two, three. Okay, yeah, some, that's great. Okay, just a couple. I love it. Okay, so I need you to email me because we need you as leaders. And uh, we would love, we're going to just, <laughs> yeah, you just signed up. I don't know. Actually, I can't see the who wooted, so you're, you're good. You're anonymous for now. But if you speak Mandarin, please email me. Honestly, I mean it. In January, we're launching Chinese Alpha. So I want you to get a little taste of it here. I'm so excited about it. This is brand new, super fresh. Hello,你有没有想过你是谁?你来到这世上是要做什么? 如果有一个啥 发展到五十个人工群体，很多人就说：‘哎，非常顺利，感觉你很幸运。’过去我曾经认为这个世界上谁都靠不住我，唯一能靠的就是我自己。上学、工作、结婚、人生，就是如此吗？当我明白了这个
天晚上之后，我对耶稣的认识就发生了完全的改变。从这里开始进入到这里，我感觉到我找到了我人生要找的答案，就在这里。直到我认识耶稣以后，我真实的经历到什么叫做有意义、有目标、价值的生活。All right, who's pumped about that? That's exciting, eh? I'm excited. So,、uh, if you have a friend who speaks Mandarin,、uh, let them know in January we're going to launch a, launch a, a Mandarin、uh, Chinese Alpha and. For anyone who speaks Mandarin, again, now you see why we need your help. So、uh, we'd love to form a great leadership team. Send me an email. I'd love to invite my friend Shannon、uh, here, and I'm just gonna、uh, interview her. Can you welcome Shannon? Okay. Good to see you, Shannon. Good to see you too. Thanks for sharing your story with us. So, do you want to tell us what God has been doing in your life in basically the last three years or so? Yeah. So,、um, good morning. Uh, about uh, well, I'll let you know that、uh, just a real brief history is that I, I、um, until about the age of twelve, I lived with my mom, who was a very strong、um, Christian woman of faith, and I went to church and I went to youth group, and I was baptized in elementary school,、um, Sunday school, all of that. And around the age of twelve, I went to live with my dad, who is, and still is, was and is an atheist. And so all of that kind of stopped for me. And then,、um, for more than three decades after that, I, I lived in what I would describe as ambivalence and on the fence.、Um, it wasn't that I didn't believe, but I also didn't believe. I just sort of wavered back and forth. I, you know, dabbled going to church every now and then. Nothing really stuck.、Um, And something to know about me as well is that I live in Vancouver, and my best friend lives out here in Walnut Grove. She doesn't go to church, and she's not a believer yet. But I would come out and visit her all the time, and I drove past North Langley a couple times, and I started to feel this pull to come to church again. And so I googled North Langley, and I thought this looks like an interesting place. So I came, I think, three years ago. It was the Loved series. It was one of the first time I attended, and.、Um, And then I came to a few in-person services, and I thought, "Wow, this is good. I'll keep coming back." And then COVID kind of shut everything down.、Um, went to online, and then I、um, I decided to take COVID or COVID. <laughs> I decided to take Alpha, and it was during COVID,、yes. and so it was run in a slightly different format. That's right. But I really felt like I just needed to kind of just explore and, and kind of I was just tired of being on the fence and ambivalent. And so it was a really good experience. It was、um, it wasn't intimidating. It was fun. It was interesting. And it was during that alpha that I actually did sort of quietly、um, just decide to recommit my life to Jesus and and commit to my faith again. And then I decided to take、um, alpha again. Sometimes people feel like they want to take it a second time, so I、yes. took it online. And、uh, yeah. So and what so I、good. yeah so and my mom through all of that just、uh, through through all those decades when I wasn't coming to church and I wasn't you know living a Christian life she just、mm-hmm. kept praying for me and she just kept inviting me back like she would constantly extend effort、uh, invitations to church、um, when I would call her with good news she would thank Jesus when I would call her with bad news she'd tell me to pray I'd roll my eyes. And I don't roll my eyes anymore. Now I actually email her prayer requests. So <laughs> love that, and、yeah. Shannon, I love that part of your story because I think that gives a lot of hope to f- 
to, to many of us in the room, but like your mom prayed for you over, for over three decades. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, sometimes we pray for a few months and we're frustrated, yeah. <laughs> you know, but this is so cool that after three decades, you're, you're, you're have this re-igniting of love for Jesus. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you want to tell us what does life look like right now? Like, what, what are you up to? What are you plugged into? You're plugged into a life group. Do you want to tell us yeah. more about what you're doing? So I took life together, and then I got plugged into a really wonderful life group. So that's, that's been just really helpful in sort of connecting with other Christians, because I just didn't have a Christian community around me other than totally. my mom, right? And um, so that's been fantastic. And then I am also just signed up for the apprentice life. So I'm just looking so at good. sort of continuing on the journey, going deeper into my faith. I so. love that. Shannon, thank you. Thanks for to, sharing. I want to encourage the praying moms and dads not to give up. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so good. Thank you, Shannon. Thanks. I want to invite my friend Emilia up on stage. Can you welcome Emilia? Mm. Now, Emilia might, be, might look a little familiar because Emilia is on our staff team, which is I so fun. Am, am I? Yes. I am. Well, I am. Yeah, I'm the youth ministry assistant here at Walnut Grove, so I hang out with the middle schoolers and high schoolers. They're amazing. They're downstairs right now or in the chapel. Um, so I just was in there for a little bit, and I also work out of our Alder Grove campus as well, so you'll see me kind of everywhere. <laughs> and Emilia, I love your story. You have these two moments where you basically kind of became a Christian, you know, as it were. Um, uh, you became a Christian, but then kind of had this moment of temptation to maybe, uh, temptation, trial, to kind of walk away from Jesus. And so do you want to tell us that, that, that story? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and uh, my best friend, Alexa, shout out to Alexa, um, she invited me to um, church here um, in a tail end of fifth grade. So I remember like coming here, and I found it extremely boring. Never been to church before. It was super early in the morning. Yuck. I'm not a morning person at all. So I was like, I don't, I don't know if I, this is for me. Um, and I didn't have anyone to back me up. When I went home, my parents weren't Christian, so I didn't have anyone to back me up. But um, she kept persisting, and she kept inviting me, and eventually invited me to middle school. And I started to build connections with the people of middle school and my leaders and had so much fun coming here on Friday nights that I decided to start coming on Sunday mornings. And yeah, we started to just, yeah, get involved in this beautiful community and started to fall in love with the Lord. And it was just a really beautiful experience. I got baptized shortly after that as well. So I committed my life to the Lord. And then uh, I went through our middle school and high school programming here. And then when I was 16, uh, so in the middle of my high school years, I met someone who was very special to me and they didn't know the Lord. And I was willing to give up uh, my relationship with the Lord for them. And that was a really sad moment. And I, uh, in a last ditch attempt to save my faith, came to Alpha. And I remember uh, saying to myself that all the videos I was gonna watch were um, kind of the end of my relationship with God. But um, God had beautiful, amazing plans for me. And on the Holy Spirit weekend, um, my leaders prayed for me and I felt filled with the Holy Spirit, which sounds really cliche. And that doesn't happen for everyone, but it happened for me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was just a beautiful moment, but I still didn't feel like I was super close to God, um, even though I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I realized it was because I was harboring a huge amount of hate in my heart for someone that was in my life, uh, someone that had hurt me. 
And so, um, yeah, I wrestled with that quite a bit, and then God um, prompted me to forgive this person. And it was really hard. It was not easy, and it was hard, and it was messy and gross, but when I forgave them, I felt so good, and I felt like I could really connect well with God in that moment. So I did, and then I became a youth leader shortly after, uh, which I didn't think I would ever do, and then I interned here, and now I'm on staff, and I get to hang out with yeah, really amazing students who I get to watch them in the same place that I was at many, many years ago. And it's so cool to be able to see that. I love that. And Amelia, I just love that story and how powerful that act of forgiveness is. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in, in terms of knowing God and sensing his love for you, you knew you had to do that. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. What would you say um, uh, to, to, to those here who are just in that place where maybe they're where you're at? Uh, you know, they, they became a Christian a while ago, but they're in that place where they feel like they've got one foot out the door. Mm. Um, yeah, what would you say? Yeah, I think for me, um, what was really incredible was that um, when I look back now, seeing all the little places where God was working mm. and that uh, the Christian community is such a beautiful thing. Um, I remember having conversations with people and they were just really small and short and just surrounding myself with people that I knew loved Jesus and showed that to me was really uh, quite remarkable. And then just watching all those things back um, was super incredible and I have them written down in my journals. It's so cool to look back at all the ways, all the little ways that God was working in my life and just remembering that community is so important and and building community that loves Jesus and that can point you towards him in times when you feel like you might be straying away in your time with God. That's huge. And I love that. And at Alpha, if you don't have community, come and be par- yeah. part of the table and, yeah. and, and meet some people. What I love, Amelia, is that you now want to be a, uh, a pastor to middle school students because yeah. that's where you met Jesus. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah, I love middle schoolers. A lot of people are like, oh, do you love youth ministry? Well, I do, but I really love middle schoolers. They're a lot of fun. They're chaotic and crazy. We just played dodgeball in this worship center on Friday, and now I'm standing <laughs> in front of all of you guys sharing. And it's so cool. I just love middle school, and I just love watching their journeys and how my leaders watch my journey back when I was in grade six. So super cool. Amelia, thank you. Can we thank Amelia for sharing? I love it. So we've heard stories throughout the last four weeks, stories of those who are atheists, more agnostic, and and, and I love that we're ending uh, on these two stories here. Stories of those who encountered Jesus when they were young, um, but needed to, needed the power of this new affection to come into their life. And so thank you, Amelia, for sharing. Shannon, thank you so much for sharing. It's powerful. And that confidence to keep praying, right? Like your mom prayed for you, and, and I love that. So I'll welcome the worship team on stage. They're already here. And uh, can we stand together? We're going to worship. We're going to worship. And today, as we sing these songs, what if Jesus could meet you the way he met Amelia, the way he met Shannon, the way he met Zacchaeus, and that you would have this incredible new affection for him. Would you open up your life and say, come, Holy Spirit, fill me with the love of God. Romans 5.5 says this, God's love has been poured out and into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And our prayer team's gonna come forward, and they today, and, and we have our prayer room in the back, but they would love simply to pray that any of you who want to be filled with the love of God would come forward. They want to pray 
uh, for you or for anything else that's on your heart. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill this room with the love of God. To my friends who just feel distant, who have one foot out the door, who feel a coldness of heart and a callousness of heart, would you come, Lord Jesus, and would you pour your love out upon them? That our friends, that our loved ones would see the real work that you're doing in us and that they would be drawn to you. Amen.